for being drunk, and you ain't black. Corn Pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. I can hardly wait to meet with that guy who is the stable genius. Come on, man. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Wealthy kids. Black, white, all colors, all backgrounds, but I mean, come on, man. It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. China. It comes from China. It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. Strongsville Christian Church The Spirit of the Lord is upon me Because he hath anointed me to preach good news Today I want to welcome everyone to Strongsville Christian Church Today's message is God is a strategist And his strategy is so profound That sometimes God actually laughs At what people are doing and what the devil's doing because he has a strategy uh, that can't be overridden by the devil. You see, I think sometimes we forget that. We think sometimes we put so much emphasis and so much power in demons and devils and, and, and men and sinners and politicians that we don't realize that God is actually a strategist. And he, he laughs at what, what man is trying to do that goes against his word. Um, when I went to college, I went to Tri-C College, Metro Campus uh, on Carnegie and uh, East 22nd. Uh, I was at the Metro Campus, and uh, it was so funny because I was uh, in favor with one of my English teachers, real smart, educated lady with a PhD. She was from Nigeria, and um, she wanted so bad to have a chess club. Tri-C never had a chess club. And uh, I, th I guess it's like a prestigious thing to have a chess club. And uh, so what she did is she started putting people together, uh, students that she liked, and she chose me as the president of the chess club. And when she offered it to me, I said, I said no, that's okay. And she was like, no, you got to be the president. And I was like, I don't know how to play chess. And she was like, no, you got to be the president. I'm like, I don't, I've never even played before. I, I literally, to this day, 2021, and this was back in 2009, and we're in 2021, I literally have never played one game of chess. I mean, I literally don't even know. I, I don't even know all the pieces, the, the labels. I know there's a pawn and a queen and a bishop and... I think there's a knight, but I don't, I have to like really struggle. I think I'm burning brain cells trying to figure out what pieces even belong on the board. And so here I was so ignorant, literally not even knowing which pieces, which way they move, trying to get out of this. And she said, no, you're the one. You're going to be the president of the chess club. And meanwhile, I didn't even realize, because I didn't care about chess. It didn't mean nothing to me. You don't really care about things that you don't know about. You know, especially if you don't even know how to play the game, it has no, no desire. Now, if we go back there and play ping pong in the, uh, the, uh, the room over there next door, now I like ping pong, amen? So if you call me the president of the ping pong club, now I might, you know, I might walk a little higher, you know, because I like the game, you know, so I'll, I'll respond differently. But the chess, it was like there was no connection, you know? And so I was thinking to myself, 
This is how God operates. He'll choose someone that has no idea what they're doing, has no expertise. Meanwhile, the other students, they were jealous. They were trying to like, get me to make them, to ordain them as the chess club president. And I was thinking to myself, look, I don't know how long I'm going to stay in this club anyways. You know, you guys are some nerdy people, you know. I mean, I don't even want to be connected, affiliated with you guys. And I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But I really just didn't want to make any connection to the chess club. Because I, I told, I tried to get out of it. I just agreed to it. And I think I maybe went into maybe like one of their chess club meetings. And I was just going into a coma, like just bored to death. And uh, finally I got out of it and I gave the president uh, president of the chess club to someone else. But this is my point, though, is that God can choose someone that has no idea of what's going on, doesn't know, and God will use that person who's clueless and conquer, conquer the greatest person. Amen? Because he is a strategist. Amen? He's not bound by our limitations. You understand that? He's not bound by our lack of knowledge. Amen? The, the Bible even says, lean not into your own understanding. You see that? God doesn't need to depend on how much we know or how our understanding is and how many Bible verses we can quote. And, you know, he will operate through us. Amen. He's so powerful that he's able to do that. See, that the, the, the teacher, she had influence in that college where she was able to establish the club. Amen. God has so much power and so much influence, he could do whatever he wants. Amen? God is a strategist. A strategist is a person skilled in planning action or policy, especially in war or politics. Amen? How many of you know that's what God is? God is, well, he is, uh, he is, a, uh, he is God. He's not a person, but he came as a person through Jesus Christ to walk on this earth. A person skilled in planning. Action, policy, especially in war or politics. See, right now, we live in a day and age right now where we have no clue what is going to happen. We all have a clue of what we see getting ready to start happening. We all have an idea of what we see of what laws are trying to be passed and what they're trying to do. They're trying to take away freedoms and they're trying to oppress people and they're trying to control every single thing. They're trying to record what people are doing. They're trying to monitor uh, what people are saying and they're trying to censor what is being said. And you can see that there are things that are happening in today's time that we have never seen before. There are things that are, we're experiencing that are new to us. And I want to tell you today to be encouraged in the Lord because God is a strategist. Amen? God's strategy is greater than anything Satan can conspire. Amen? Amen? Let that encourage you. Remember this. Amen. The more you learn, the more you research, the more you become aware of what's going on, the more you listen to the news, the more you uh, learn about conspiracy theories. And if, you, if we could just go on to just one topic and you'll hear so many conspiracies. We just talk about just the vaccinations alone. You got so many conspiracies behind the vaccinations. People believe that there's uh, chips in them, that they're marked, that they're uh, 
um, taking away people's ability to reproduce. Um, some people believe that um, it's going to uh, depopulate. Some people believe that people are dying from the vaccination. There's all kinds of conspiracies that are taking place. And whether they're true or not, I'm going to tell you that we have to make sure that we're led by God in everything we're doing. For me personally, I can't, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical advisor. I'm not going to tell you what to do you. You do you and let me do me. But I'm going to tell you I'm not getting no vaccination and I can't force my wife to get the vaccine. She ain't getting it. She don't even want to take Tylenol. She's definitely not doing the vaccination. We're not doing it. But if you folks want to do it, I mean, you could shoot up like a heroin addict and take 10 vaccinations a day and try to outdo one another. And I, whatever you want to do, you do you and I'm going to do me. Amen. But don't let other people uh, try to force you to do what they're doing because it's popular. Either side, make sure that you choose what you're doing because God told you to do it or God led you to do that. But folks, whatever you believe of how wicked things are going or what they are already, I'm telling you, God cannot be out-conspired. I don't care how powerful if the greatest, most richest, wealthiest people come together in United Nations and secret societies and global organizations. Um, uh, what's that one man's name, that rich uh, George Soros? I don't care if there's a million George Soroses that come together with Bill Gates and everyone. They are never on their best dime going to outspire, conspire God. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Folks, we need to make sure that we trust and believe in the Lord. Amen? Amen. And look at what the Bible says. Did you know the Bible talks about conspiracy? I like it. Look at what it says in Psalm 71.10. It says, For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. Amen. Do you see that? For my enemies speak against me, those who wait to kill me conspire together. Now I believe that this is King David, if I'm not mistaken. He's talking about that he got in a position where the, uh, his enemies surrounded him. And they made an oath to kill and take out David. But even then... Even with all the people that conspired against them, I'm talking about they had endless resources. They had literally the best resources of the kingdom. They had soldiers. They had uh, paid hired assassins. They had skilled, knowledgeable people. And even then, did they kill David? You see, God blocked it. God protected him. He actually put Saul in the palm of David's hand. David was outgunned. He was outnumbered. And even then, he was surrounded on all angles with people conspiring against him. And even then, he could have killed Saul. Nothing Satan can do can now conspire God. Amen. Isaiah 8, 12, look at what it says. It says, do not call conspiracy everything these people call a conspiracy. How many know that was in the Bible? Now, here's the thing. If you know me, you know I believe in all kinds of conspiracies. But not everything is a conspiracy. And not nothing is a conspiracy either. I think it's a conspiracy to say nothing is a conspiracy. Amen. 
Not everything is a conspiracy and not nothing is a conspiracy. Some things are conspiracies. Amen? If you come to this church, there's a conspiracy uh, to encourage you. There is a conspiracy uh, so that your souls will be saved from hell. We are conspiring for you, not against you. How many know why the devil is conspiring against you? God is conspiring for you. He's got angels assigned to minister to the saints of God. And look what it says. It says, do not call conspiracy everything. Do not call conspiracy everything. These people call a conspiracy. Uh, do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. Folks, there are some people who are so conspiracy-minded that they are obsessed and they allow the devil to take their peace and joy and they can't even enjoy this limited life that they got. Here's the thing. This is what I wanna, where I want to leave the church uh, when we walk away. I want to leave you to the point where you're not ignorant, blind, and dumb to the conspiracies that are out there, but I don't want you to be obsessed with it that it takes away your faith in God, that it takes away your peace, and it takes away your joy. Be aware of it. Don't be ignorant like most of the world is blind, but make sure that you, no matter what conspiracy you, you hear, remember, it's not going to conquer the word of God. There is nothing that they can establish that will override God's word. Amen. The Bible says that his word is more powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. His word conquers all. It says, do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. There are people that can be on both sides of a conspiracy, and they're both operating in fear. One believes that they're trying to depopulate, and they're afraid of that. Then there's other people that don't believe it, but they're afraid of something else. They're just afraid that the, the, the virus is going to kill them. And then other people are afraid that the, the uh, vaccinations. People are afraid from both sides. And, and I didn't realize this, that they're trying to pro project fear no matter what you believe. You understand that? See, the devil don't care if you are for or against a conspiracy as long as he has you in fear. Do you see that? I didn't, I just, I just got, I just realized that whatever conspiracy that is out there, the devil, something is being twisted and it's, it's, it's you're, you're hearing from two different angles. It is impossible for God to be impressed by his enemies. Amen. Amen? I want you to hear that. It is impossible for God to be impressed by his enemies. That means that whatever the devil can do, whatever he can come up with, whatever he can muster and manifest, there's nothing he can do that can impress God. All the nuclear bombs in the world, all the uh, laser beams, the technology, the viruses, all that, there's nothing the devil can do to impress God. There's never going to time that God's going to be sit back there like, wow, you know what? It's impossible for the devil to even challenge God. Amen. Remember, God created the devil. He created him. You ever heard this saying, for anyone that has children, 
You ever, you ever heard someone say this, or you, maybe you said it yourself? I brought you into this world, and I'll take you out. Huh? You ever heard someone say, I brought you into this world, and I'll take you out? My mom said that to me a couple times. Look, I love you, but I brought you in. I'll take you out. You see, God brought us into this world, and he can take us out at any given time. There is no protection against the hands of God. When you become an enemy to God, where can you run? Where can you hide? What bunker can you make? How far deep can you go down under the earth to hide from the hand of God? You see, that, that's why it's, it's wise for us to make sure that we don't have to run from God. The Bible says, let us go boldly to the throne of grace. In other words, run to God, not from him. Amen. Let his enemies run from him. Amen. In Philippians 3, 18, it says, For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Do you know that there are enemies of the cross? There are people that they stand against God. They stand against the cross. They stand against Jesus. They stand against the word of God. They stand against the Holy Spirit. They are enemies of the cross of Christ. And I'm going to tell you that no matter how many enemies rise up against us, against the church, against the word of God, locally and globally, God is not impressed. He's not slowed down. He's not hindered. He's not complexed. He's not confused. He's not worried. He's not stressed out. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. There are a lot of people right now that God has allowed them to take a spiritual wickedness in high places. He's allowed them to take high-ranking positions. And even then, I'm telling you now that he is a strategist. You see, there was a couple years ago I went to Tri-C and they had racquetball there. And I was, at the time, substantially better conditioned than I am now physically. Amen? Tell the truth, shame the devil. I didn't have this uh, belly right here. And I was, I, I was actually, I had a six-pack, believe it or not. And I was in the gym, I was lifting weights, I was working out, I was... I, I was strong. I was benching 315, praise God. I was strong. And then this old man, this old man came by with his little nerdy uh, racket case and his racket thing, and he challenged me to a game of racquetball. And I felt so sorry for this old, skinny, decrepit man. I thought I was going to hit this ball so hard, it's going to pierce through his chest, and I'm going to be in jail for murder. I, I, I thought, I better tone it down, not hurt this old man, right? 
And I'm telling you, I stepped into the ring and he pulled out his, his own racket and unzipped it, moving slow as he wanted to. And he said, you could surf first. <laughs> Meanwhile, I saw two people looking behind the window laughing. And I was thinking to myself, what are they laughing about? And I whipped there and I, with all my muscle, all my strength, I hit that racquetball as hard as I could. No mercy. <laughs> he responded back with a reply. He hit a pop-up. And if you know what a pop-up is, it's almost impossible to return. It hits the, the wall to make just make it legal, barely legal, and then it hits the floor, and it goes in a way where you almost can't return it back. This man destroyed me. I literally could not get one point off of him. He, he, I was way, I guarantee if we went boxing in the ring, I would beat him up. <laughs> it wasn't about strength. It wasn't about power. It wasn't even about stamina. This guy had a strategy that I could not beat him. It didn't matter how, I could have suplexed him, and it, none of that made, he would have grabbed the racket in the, the air and still would have beat me. He destroyed me. I, he beat me so bad that I had no peace. No joy. I didn't even want to play again. Meanwhile, the people behind me knew that he was a racquetball state champion. And they forgot to tell me that. You see, God is a strategist. He doesn't even need power. He doesn't need strength. He doesn't need youth. He doesn't need the things that we deem as valuable and important. He's a strategist. You can't beat him. Amen? Amen? 1 Corinthians 1.25, it says, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. Amen? Do you see what that says? It says the foolishness of God. Remember that when you start getting aggravated in politics. Remember that when you start getting aggravated, when you see a whole bunch of wicked, ungodly laws uh, starting to take place, when they start calling evil good and good evil, remember that, that the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. God is entertained by the enemies of the cross. Amen. God is entertained. You know, God, he's not pressed. He's not impressed. He's not shocked. He's not confused. He's not stunned. But I believe this, that he is entertained. He's entertained by the efforts of the Antichrist. He's entertained by the efforts of the demon to try to defeat him. There's nothing the devil can do. To slow him down. But everything the devil does, I believe it entertains him. I believe he's sitting back laughing. Amen? You ever see someone think that they're going to do you wrong, but you know that they don't have a chance? And it's not even, it's so much not a threat to you that you even just laugh about it. It's like a little tiny kid coming up to you, and, and he's legitimately angry. Amen? Little kid, uh, two years old, just having a temper tantrum, he's angry, and he thinks he's going to beat you up. And he's like knee-high, and you're just kind of looking at him like, oh, he's cute. You're entertained by him. If anything, you laugh. You don't take it serious. 
You're not rattled by them. You just kind of laugh about it. That's how God, all-powerful, almighty, and sovereign God, he's sitting up there laughing at the greatest attempts of the enemy to try to destroy the church, to destroy Christians, to stop what God is doing. He's entertained. Believe me. I, and I'm going to tell you, sometimes I'm entertained um, not by w uh, wickedness, but just by the idea that someone or something can stop God. And Psalms 37, 13, it says, but the Lord laughs. How many know God laughs? I, I want to just see God laugh. You ever have someone mad at you and you just start laughing? Yeah, has that ever happened? Someone's been mad at you and they're screaming at you and you literally, you're just not there you're not with them. With the thing that they're mad about, you just can't fake it and be mad with them, so you just start laughing. And then they get even madder, and then you get even happier, and you just laugh even harder. Anyone ever experienced that? It says, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. Amen. Believe me, don't be too much into all these conspiracies. I'm not saying don't be aware of them, but don't be too much. Don't put too much stock in them. Because God knows their day is coming. Amen. God, the Bible says that God has allowed uh, the devil to be released for a thousand years. And when he's released for a thousand years, he's going to take advantage of that. He's going to reap havoc. I believe that's what we see going on now with all the killings and the rapes and the murders and all the antichrists and uh, all the confusion that's taking place. The devil's reaping havoc. And imagine the things that we're mad about that bother us when we see all this crazy stuff happening. The things, and God's just sitting back laughing. Knowing that their day is coming. Like, just think like that guy Cuomo from New York. Was he the governor, the mayor? I always forget. Whatever he is. He was saying, God did not slow down the spread of the virus. I did it. We did it. Right? You don't think when he was saying that, God was up there laughing? Keep talking, Cuomo. Go ahead, keep talking. Keep talking. And boom, now look at them. Accused by different women. You see, God knows that the enemy can talk all he wants. But he knows, God knows that their day is coming. See, even Goliath was talking smack. Goliath was talking all kinds of smack against Israel, against their God, against David. He said, oh, you sent out a dog? He's like, do you think that low of me that you sent out a dog? He called David a dog, right? David didn't slow down. He not only did, was he not in, threatened, he ran in towards the enemy at full speed and knocked him out with two stones. You see, God is a strategist. He knows what he's doing. There's a lot of things that take place in our life that we can't figure out, that we don't understand, that don't make sense, and looks like God is against us. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? God is a strategist. He has a plan that is sometimes hidden when we're not aware of it. Sometimes we can even look for his plan and we just don't see it. 
You see, I, I, I've shared, I shared this, uh, what was it, when we did the podcast Friday? Friday, when we were doing the podcast, if God would have showed me all the work that I had to do in this church to bring it up to code, if he would have showed me that in the beginning, I would have been like, find somebody else. I'm not the one. If God would have told me that I was going to be cleaning up goose poop in the parking lot with a hundred geese, I would have been like, get you a new pastor. But you see, that was God's strategy was to hold back that knowledge of the goose poop so that I was willing to operate and step where God wanted me to step, which was in some poop. Now, I cleaned it up and washed my shoes and all that, but here's the thing. See, God sometimes will hold back some information because he knows that you won't do what he wants you to do had you have seen everything that he has in store for you. But if he reveals it to you too soon, you'll get discouraged and you won't do it. But if he gives it to you in increments, you'll be led. And then by the time you look back, you'll be like, wow, if it wasn't for God, I would have never done that. If it wasn't for God a holding back certain information I wouldn't be where I'm at today but thank God he held back certain information thank God he didn't reveal it all at one time what do you think about uh, Abraham and Sarah when, when God told Abraham to sacrifice his son and you think uh, God didn't hold back that information from Sarah when he was going to sacrifice what do you think Sarah would have said about that She'd have been like, over my dead body, Abraham, I know you think you're anointed and you're hearing from God and you're the father of many nations, but you, got, you let that get to your head, not my baby. You sacrifice yourself, but you, uh, he ain't going with you. You see, God is a strategist. Understand that. God is a strategist. And then on the flip side, look at what it says. It says so it says that God laughs at the wicked. He says, for he knows their day is get, uh, coming. But look at the attitude as Christians that we're supposed to take on. Look at what it says. It says, rejoice not when thine enemy falleth. You see that? Rejoice not when thy enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad. And when he stumbleth, least the Lord see it, and it displease him, it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. Do you see that? In other words, if you're taking pleasure in the destruction of your enemy, if God sees that you're running your mouth too much and you're boasting too much about how he is destroying your enemies, the Bible says he'll turn back his wrath just to try to teach you a lesson of humility. Why? Because he's a strategist. So if you see that you're starting to get leverage and you're getting the upper hand over your enemy, be humble. You see that? Be humble and let them go through the process that God is going to take them through. God strategically transfers power from those who are out of his will. See, a lot of folks, they, they don't know this. They don't see it. They don't get it. God strategically transfers power from those who are out of his will. Power is not defined by how much money someone has, contrary to what people believe. I've been in positions where I've had a large amount of money and still not been able to accomplish what I wanted from the money that I had. 
There have been times where I've had a large amount of money, and even then I, I could not buy certain things. I could not accomplish certain things. And I found out that sometimes money just don't get it. Sometimes you can't accomplish certain things from the dollar. As mighty as it is, God is mightier. Amen? Amen? Judges 3.12, it says, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and because they did this evil, the Lord Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Do you see what happened? The Israelites did evil, and due to their evil, God took away the power from the Israelites, and he took a king, and he transferred the power from the Israelites and gave it to the king to rule over them. You don't think that when we get out of God's will that he takes away our power and gives it to the devil to rule over us when we're out of God's will? The Bible even says this. It says that uh, there are people that were given over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh so that they might be saved. Now, that's a challenging scripture for a lot of folks that might not get what God is trying to do, that he is more concerned about their salvation than their power, where man is more concerned about their power than their salvation. And so God took the power of the Israelites and transferred it to the king of Moab. It says, getting the Ammonites and the Amalekites to join him, Eglon came and attacked Israel, and they took possession of the city of Palms. And the Israelites were subject to Egon, king of Moab, for 18 years. Elder Glenn, can you do me a favor? Can you uh, hit the AC button for me? It's on heat right now. We'll switch it over. Maybe like 72. Thank you. God will place unusual and unexpected people in our life to aid in our deliverance. Amen? God will place unusual and unexpected people in our life to aid in our deliverance there have been a lot of times where i was struggling with all different types of things and i would pray out to god and god would put the most unusual people that i would never suspect to help me the people that i thought would help me like my friends my family and some other people that were close to me i would expect and look for them to help and it wasn't there and god would bring someone who I didn't even know, and they would be a blessing. Case in point, when we first started our church, we were in a storefront. Nobody in the church was uh, giving to the church. They weren't tithing. They weren't contributing. And everybody in the church was living more uh, elegant than me as the pastor. Amen. I was living in the back of the church with the poorest of poor situations. Didn't even have money for a stove. I started off at the bare rock bottom, Right? And so I was expecting or hoping or thinking that the folks in the church would tithe and support the church and the ministry. Nothing. God sent some guy from Australia that I'd never met, never knew, and he started giving $300 a month to the church, which sustained the ministry, which was enough to just not pay the whole rent, but cover enough to keep us afloat. He, the guy from Australia gave $300 a month, and that kept us afloat 
long enough until God increased the income. Amen. But I would have never, I, I never met this guy. I never asked him to donate, never took up any tithes. And I, I didn't even know. He was watching our YouTube videos and God touched his heart. You see, God will always find someone that you don't expect that's unusual and he'll choose them to aid in your assistance, to be a blessing to you. It, could, it doesn't have to be a financial thing. It could be uh, someone, God will send someone in your life to help you with your car or with your house or with anything. God has always done that. We had one of the, our members, one of our main members, he was an HVAC person. He swore up and down he was going to help our church with all the HVAC. He was like, Pastor, don't worry about a thing. When you go into the new building, I got everything covered. You're not going to have to do electrical, plumbing, HVAC. I got it all. You, you don't have to worry about nothing. We're good. I got your back. And I was like, sweet. Right? And then before the church opened up, oh yeah, Pastor, God told me to leave the church. And then God sent this older guy and replaced him immediately. And see, I thought my help was going to come in one person, and God replaced him instantly with another person. I couldn't even pay this guy. I, in fact, I tried paying him to help with the HVAC. There were some things, the AC uh, fan busted down, and there was a computer chip in the uh, furnace. He helped me, showed me how to do everything, gave me access to all the supply stores and everything, helped me, and then I tried to pay him. He would not take anything. You see, God has unusual and unexpected people in our life to aid in our deliverance. Amen. Why? Because he's a strategist. And sometimes he doesn't use the pawns or the people or the bishops or the queens or the knights that you think he would use. You see that? Because he's so powerful, he could use a pawn to conquer your enemy. He doesn't have to use the queen. He doesn't have to use the knight. And I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm just saying. Amen? Because I don't know how to play, but I'm just saying. He don't have to use the pieces that you expect him to use. He's so powerful. Amen? And Judges 3.15, it says, again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a, a left-handed man. Now, I have that underlined because did you know that left-handed people only make up for about 10% of the world, the population of the world? Yet left-handed people are so rare, it's only about 10 to 15% of people are actually left-handed. About 90% of the people are right-handed. Right, which I didn't know that, but that's what it is. And then what I didn't realize, all the things that are uh, designed and engineered from like scissors to uh, driving, uh, from like the, your stick shifts in your car, all of it, it's all designed for right-handed people. So if you're left-handed, you're kind of, you have to, you know, you have to switch up what you're doing to kind of compensate. And so God chose someone, an unusual left-handed person to be the deliverer. Now, probably if I was going to choose a deliverer, I would probably have chose a right-handed man. But God is a strategist that he's not operating what is popular or statistically what we would think. Didn't he do that with Gideon? He told Gideon, you have too many people. You see that? He said, you have too many people and uh, that you guys are going to take the credit for the, for the victory. Get rid of them. And you would think God... Sometimes God will tell you to do things that make no sense. 
Every time God leads you to do something that makes no sense, you, that's where it's going to require faith on our end and humility on our end. Amen? It says, the Israelites sent him with the tribute to Elgon, king of Moab, and now Ehad had made a double-edged sword about a cubit long, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. God opened up doors to reposition his people to receive leverage over our enemies. Amen? God opens up doors to reposition. Elder, do you mind shutting that door? Thank you. God opens up doors to reposition his people to receive leverage over our enemies. In other words, God can put someone in the White House and take them down just as quick. God can put someone in city council and take them down just as quick. He, the congressman, he can raise up and lower them. The Bible says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it whatsoever way he wants. And I'm going to tell you, when he turns it away, sometimes you can't figure it out. It don't look right, but God's a strategist. And he chose this left-handed man who's now equipped with a double-edged dagger. It says he presented the tribune to Elgon, the king of Moab, uh, who was a very fat man. Amen. You see that? Even the fact that this man was very fat, and it don't matter what version of the Bible, he's fat. There's no King James description or NIV description. I don't care what version of the Bible that you use, it's going to say a very fat man. Okay? And, and so here's the thing. Why does that matter? What does that matter? I'm telling you, Everything that you see in the Bible has a purpose. Even him being fat had a purpose from the deliverance of God's people. Let me, let me show you. It says, this king who was a very fat man, after he had presented the tribute, he sent on their way who had carried it, but on reaching the stones or the images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Ilgon and said, your majesty... I have a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, leave us, and they all left. That right there was a miracle. Right? Why was that a miracle? Try going to the White House right now and just run up to uh, Joe Biden and just say, oh, uh, your majesty, Mr. Biden, Sleepy Joe. I need to talk to you. I, I have a secret to tell you. And Sleepy Joe just says, oh, come on in. Everyone else, all the secret service, you guys stay back. Come on in. This is literally what happened. You, you know that that would never happen. And, and let me tell you this, even back then that would never happen. And even if you look at the time with uh, Esther, Esther, the wife of the king, the wife of the king wasn't even allowed to go into the king's chambers unless she was called by the king first. It was immediate death. And this guy, a left-handed man, just comes up and says, Oh, your majesty, uh, I have this tribute for you, and I have a secret I need to tell you. Do you see? God touched his heart 
the king's heart to allow him to give the enemy who he thought was a friend the upper hand over him. See, God can mess with your enemies so bad. I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen. God, the, the very people that are coming against you, God can make them for you. He can make your enemies bless you. Why? Because he's a strategist. He don't need your friends and your family and your loved ones to bless you. He'll take someone that hates you and make them bless you. Just so you know that he is a strategist and that he cannot. It is impossible to beat God. And furthermore, it's impossible to get, beat God's people. When God's people are being led by God. Your majesty, I have a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, leave us. And they all left. God often conquers his enemies with things that look like a mishap. Things that you think are a mishap in your life, or maybe you think it's like bad luck or chance. When you're a Christian and you're serving God, even the things that you think are mistakes, God is a strategist. He's even using them to perform something great. I'll give you one example, and I, I, I could only give you one because of the sake of time, but I have more. One example is me and my wife, oh, actually before I was even married, we opened up the most bootleg, cheap, ghetto, horrible optical store that you can even imagine. It looked, it looked like, a, just, like a two-year-old could put it together, right? On that note, a lot of folks don't know that the frame displays where you put the glasses, those things cost about 30 grand. A lot of people don't know that. When you go to the store and you take the, your glasses and you put it on that little thing and they hold it, those cost about 30 grand and up. Okay? And so we had, we found the cheapest uh, frame display that you could get. We got it on eBay somewhere for like 80 bucks, right? And, and here's the thing. The lady we got it from, her business went out of business. So we could not replace it, and we couldn't get it. And if someone messed up those frame displays, we, we, we didn't have the money or the finances to replace it. And we had our church and our optical, and I lived there all in one storefront. That's how we started off. And this customer comes in, and she buys a pair of glasses, and she puts them on, and when she puts them on, I don't know if she was drunk or what she did to it. She was like, and she knocks and destroys. She breaks all the frame displays like this. And you see glasses flying everywhere like popcorn. And I thought to myself, I'm finished. I'm done. We're already struggling. Even the, the, the tithe that was coming in from the church and the optical wasn't even enough to pay the bills. That's how bad we were struggling. And this lady comes in like a seal and just destroys all the everything. And glasses are flying. She's stepping on them. And I'm thinking to myself, I almost cried. I'm like, we're done. It's over for us, for me, before I got married. And I thought to myself, we're finished. It's over. But then I had business insurance. And I called the business agent up, 
And he's like, well, we're going to have to go after the patient. And I'm like, nope, that's out of the question. I'm not, I'm not running. To, I don't even, we have to go under. I said, I don't even know if I'm allowed to give you the information. HIPAA violations. I said, no, we can't do that. He's like, all right, well, there's nothing we can do then. So that was it. Had business insurance, but I'm not giving the per patient's information to go after and chase after. That ain't how you uh, blow up a business and prosper. So a couple weeks later, I just forgot about it. I'm ready to close down. I get a phone call from, uh, get a phone call from the uh, insurance agent. He says, you know what, we're going to go ahead and process this claim for you. I'm like, okay. He's like, well, now you just got to give me a quote of what it costs to replace it. Cha-ching. <laughs> Welp. I said, well, this is the lady that I got it for. She's out of business. There's no more. He's like, well, how much does it cost to replace it? At the time, I didn't know. So I found the cheapest place that I could find was out in Canada, and it was like 30 grand to replace it. So they cut me a certain percentage. I, my wife will hold me to it. She knows. I want to say we got a check for about eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars, something like that. It was the biggest, fattest check. I wanted to kiss it, and it was enough money to stay afloat. And after that lady went out of business, and after we got the check, her business opened back up, and I was able to get it for the same price. And keep the difference. And I told them about it, and they didn't care. You see? See, see, the thing that I thought that was going to destroy me and shut me down, the thing that I thought was a mishap, ended up being the thing that God used to keep us afloat. Amen. Ain't God a good? In Judges 3.20, it says, in Ehad, the, 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 uh, it says, Ehad then approached him, while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his place and said, I have a message from God for you. And the king arose from his seat and Ehad reached with his left hand and drew the sword from his right thigh and plunged it into the king's belly. And even the handle sunk in after the blade and his bowels discharged. That's a King James Version way of saying he pooped on himself. Okay, he stabbed the king that was a very fat man. I'm not saying it. I'm not trying to fat shame. The Bible says it, that he stabbed the fat man and the blubber and the fat was so big that the, because look, I, I'm not, no, I'm in a glass house, amen. I don't have no room to cast stones, amen. I'm not skinny myself. No one has accused me of being anorexic, amen. And this man stuck the blade in and the fat blubbered over to the blade and then he pooped on himself. And even that poop, had a purpose. Now you would think, oh man, that's nasty, that's disgusting. Where do you see what happens? It says that the, the poop discharged and Ehad uh, did not pull the sword out and the fat closed in over it. God uses the most ridiculous situations to make fools of our enemies. You, you see, he's such a strategist that he takes a silly situation, even a nasty, disgusting situation, to conquer our enemies with it. Amen. Look what happens. And judge, because meanwhile, this guy, this left-handed assassin, he's still got all the guards outside waiting. You understand that? 
And so look at what it says. It said, then Ehud went out to the porch and he shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. And after he had gone, the servants came and found the doors of the upper room locked. And they said, he must be relieving himself in the inner room of the, the placement. And they waited to the point of embarrassment. That's what the Bible says. Amen. They waited to the point of embarrassment. In other words, this king was so fat that when he used the bathroom, he probably smelled up the whole place, and they could probably smell the king because he pooped on himself. They smelled it from outside the doors. That's why they left him alone. You see that? Because had he had not pooped on himself, they might have thought something was going on, but they knew that when he was relieving himself, they could smell that it was so bad they didn't want to go in there. You see, that God can take the most silly thing and use it to deliver his people. And that's literally what happened. It says, it says that uh, they said he must be relieving himself in the inner room, and they waited to the point of embarrassment. You ever been waiting for someone so long to get out of the bathroom, and you're like, man, what are you doing in there? It says, and when he did not open the, the, the doors of the room, they, they took the key and unlocked them, and they saw the Lord falling on the floor dead. And while they waited, Ehad got away and passed by the stone images and escaped to Sarah. So in other words, God allowed a left-handed assassin to go in, talk to the king alone, stab him with the sword. He pooped on himself. The poop caused the, uh, all of his guards to stay back. And then he escaped out the window and then brought victory and deliverance to God's people. I want to tell you that if that ain't a strategy that I would have never thought of. Now, it ain't like they sat around the room and they had this uh, board meeting uh, before they went to go attack, you know, and they put all their soldiers together and these chief executive uh, soldiers. And, you know, we're going to go in here and try to get the king to poop himself. No, then you don't even think about the stuff that God does. God, the stuff. What did the Bible say? The foolishness of God is wiser than the wisest of men. That's how he is such a strategist. That's why I'm trying to tell you now, don't worry about what you see going on. Be aware of it, but don't worry about it. Don't, believe me, God, he, he is not impressed. Amen? And he's definitely not stressed. And Judges 3.29, it says, At that time they struck down about 10,000 Moabites and all vigorous and strong and not one escaped and the day Moab was made subject to Israel and the land had peace for 80 years so because of this victory God gave the Israelites people victory for how many years 80 years of peace 80 years of not having to worry about uh, having your family attacked and killed and just 80 years of harmony you see, and all of that started from that left-handed assassin stabbing the fat king. Because if you knew what happened back then, when you defeated the king, that means that God had given you victory. That inspired all the soldiers. You see that? Because they always believed that God was on one side of the army or not. And once they figured out that God was with them, their courage uh, increased. Their boldness increased. Their, their uh, vigilance and their, it all increased. Their strength, their stamina. When they knew that God was for them, they would be all in. Amen? At the time of our pain and suffering, it makes no sense at first. Amen. Uh, every time I've ever gone through a painful situation, I never, it never made any sense. 
You know, I, would, I, I tell the story about the lady destroying all the frame displays. When I went through that situation, it didn't make any sense back then, but I was in pain. I was wondering, how am I going to put food on the table? How am I going to pay my bills? How is the church going to stay afloat? How am I going to get by? How, how, I didn't know. I was, in, I was concerned. It didn't make any sense at the time. But now looking back, I laugh at God had a customer come in and destroy the place so that he could provide for me. I wouldn't, that's a strategist. You see, and, and then here's the thing. If I would have done that, I'd be in jail for, for uh, insurance fraud. You see that? If I would have done that, I'd be in jail right now. But I didn't. You see, God knows what he's doing. He is a strategist. At the time of our pain and suffering, it makes no sense at first. In Genesis 37, 20, it says, And there passed by the, uh, the Midianites and the merchants, and they drew and lifted up Joseph with the pit, out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they bought Joseph, they brought Joseph into Egypt. And it says, And all the sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, for he had said, I will go down into a grave uh, unto my son mourning. And thus his father wept for Joseph. You see, Joseph's father was grieved at the time he was lied to. His own, Joseph's father, his own children conspired against him and Joseph. The last thing that ever entered into his mind that his own children were going to sell Joseph as a slave. His mind didn't go there. He thought that he lost his child. And he started weeping and crying. And he, he, he had no peace. He had no joy. But had he had known that God had a strategy and he allowed his pain and suffering to happen because he had a strategy, he had a plan. See, every good strategist does everything for a reason. But what makes them a good strategist is that others don't know what they're doing. And others can't predict what they're doing, which makes them a good strategist. You see, if you could predict what the other person's doing, then that ain't no strategy. When I'm playing checkers with my wife, sometimes I know which way she's going to go. I could predict it. And I end up winning. You see, God does things in a way where the devil will never predict what God's going to do. And even if he does, his strategy is so great, he still will win. God's strategy is often hidden. Even from the people he is using. Until the perfect time. You see that? God's strategy is often hidden even from the people that he's using. Until the perfect time. Sometimes God is using us in his strategy and we're not even aware of it until after we look back. You all heard the saying, hindsight is better than foresight. Because when you look back after the fact, you can start seeing God's hand. In Genesis 41:39, and I'm closing at the next point. In Genesis 41:39 says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed these all this, there is none so secret and wise as thou art. And thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled, 
only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took over the ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put gold chain about his neck. So here you have Joseph who was sold as a slave, thrown into a well, thrown into a pit, abandoned by the people who were supposed to love him, thrown into the well, sold as a slave, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, falsely accused of rape, thrown into prison, abandoned by his own inmates who were supposed to help him to get out, forgot about him in jail, left behind in jail to rot as a dog. And all of that was part of God's strategy to raise him up and put him in second command of Egypt. And he used that to deliver the people and to feed those who would have died from a family. If God ain't a strategist, I don't know who is. The only strategy we need is to trust the Lord with all our heart and wait for victory. Amen. While God is operating in our lives and behind the scenes and unseen essentials and things that we don't know what's going on through our family, through us, through the church, God does not need our help. He doesn't need our help. He's not going to use us. A lot of times he'll use us when we don't even know we're being used. Your strategy is to trust the Lord with all your heart and wait for victory. Victory is coming. The Bible says in Genesis 50, 20, it says, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Man, you have a problem figuring out what you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Man, the corn pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. I can hardly wait to meet with that guy who is the stable genius. Come on, man. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Wealthy kids. Black, white, all colors, all backgrounds, what I mean. Come on, man. Why do you call this the Chinese virus? It's not racist at all, no. Not at all. It comes from China. 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 It comes from China. It's not racist at all, no. Not at all. It comes from China. Strongsville Christian Church The Spirit of the Lord is upon me Because He hath anointed me to preach good news